Acts 14. I want to look at 19 down to verse 23 with you. I'm going to talk about strengthening the soul. Strengthening the soul. I base it off of uh, verse 22. If you look at 14.22, Paul said, strengthening, this is what he did, strengthening the souls of the disciples. I've titled this, Strengthening the Souls. I want to look at this. I want to see what the Apostle Paul's doing here in the text. This is just a little bit low. And I want to know what he's, what he's getting at. And I want you to see it. Because I think it's important for us to strengthen our soul. Amen? And so oftentimes our souls will become weak. And so uh, some of you are coming out of a, a season of maybe um, spiritual weakness. And I'm not talking about the kind that Paul's talking about. I'm talking about spiritually, you just haven't been doing well. And so God is bringing you back, and he's strengthening you, and praise God for that. A little bit more, brother. You've got to come down a little bit more on the volume. There we go. <clears throat> and so let's talk about strengthening our souls. Now, we think about strengthening something. We obviously think about strengthening our bodies. Uh, we think about strengthening our minds or maybe our emotions, and we prayed about those things a moment ago, and maybe strengthening a relationship, and so, uh, but strengthening the soul, it's a little bit odd, and so uh, we want to see what Paul was trying to do here, we want to make sure that our souls become stronger, uh, that we are, are in a place spiritually, particularly as we get closer to launch, uh, that we need to be strong, and the reason why we need to be strong is because the enemy who is very real, uh, known as the devil or Satan, uh, would want to do all kinds of harm, all kinds of deception, uh, all kinds of, of, of just uh, distraction before we hit launch. And so from here to there, let's talk about strengthening our soul. And tonight, maybe for some, you're going to get to a new place spiritually because you've been pretty dry, or maybe you've been struggling. And so let's see what the Apostle Paul talks about here. The mission of making disciples is what he's doing. He's planting churches and to do that, not only for Paul, but for us, will require a deep devotional life. It'll require a life walking with Christ that is intimate, that is real, that it's passionate, and it's, and it's ongoing, and it's constant. And so you see that in the Apostle Paul's life as he preached the Word of God, as he made disciples, and then as he planted churches. And so last Sunday night, we talked about stepping out. We looked at Peter getting out of the boat. Tonight, we want to look at training the body, training the body, the church body, obviously. And so, Scripture says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, and this is what we want to be as believers. This is what we want to be as a church, especially, again, as I said a moment ago, as we get closer to launch. And so, I don't know about you, but uh, what is happening in many lives is the ramping up of spiritual warfare. And so, I want to give you some principles out of the text on how to strengthen your soul. How is it that our soul gets strengthened by God? Number one, you'll see this on the PowerPoint behind me, by realizing that there will be people who will come against you. There will be people who will come against you. I want to look at the text with you. Look at verse 19. Go back to verse 19. But Jews, I want you to stop there. God strengthens our soul with suffering and opposition. And then when people come against us, we have to exercise what? If you've ever had somebody come against you, a little bit lower still. 
<laughs> a little bit. If, I, if it's too loud for me, I can only imagine what it might be out there. And so when people come against you, does anybody know what I'm talking about? When somebody comes against you with lying, with slander, with persecution, if somebody comes against you with betrayal and they hurt you, that the enemy will use. But listen, God will use that even greater still to strengthen your soul. And so if you know what I'm talking about, I mean, it's, it, gets, it gets hard. Somebody comes against you in whatever form. And then what do you have to do as a Christian? What, what, if, what if they betrayed you or they hurt you? And then what do you have to do? You have to forgive them, right? And so in the process of forgiving them and, and saying, God, I can't do this with my own strength and with my own power, but by your spirit I can do this, what's happening to your own soul? Remember, they came against you, but now you're coming against them in the spirit of God and forgiving them. And that whole process is strengthening you. It could be a myriad of things that people will do to come against you. Here it's the Jews. The Jews. And so Paul had his attacks. He had his adversaries all the time, but it made him stronger. His character was being forged in the fires of affliction. And your character is being forged in the fires of affliction. You'll see here in the text. It says, but... Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, having persuaded the crowds. What did they do to Paul? Yeah, ouch, huh? Stoned? I mean, that, that's it's just horrible. Stoning in biblical times was just horrible. And so you remember maybe if you've seen Jesus of Nazareth or the, uh, the Passion of the Christ, there was a scene where the woman is caught in adultery, and of course the, a lot of the religious leaders are picking up stones, and they want to stone her. And Jesus says, he who is without sin, do what? Cast the first stone. And, of course, they're all realizing that they're not without sin, so they start dropping their stones. That is, that is one form of stoning, and that would be a bad form, right? You ever gotten hit by a rock? Um, we used to play, uh, what's the game they used to play? It was called Polish Handball. No offense against anybody that's Polish here, but it was called Polish Handball. And Polish Handball is when a bunch of guys or girls, it was mostly guys back in, when we played, uh, you would throw a tennis ball against the wall, and the ball would come bouncing back, and then you tried to catch it, but if you, caught, you missed it and it bounced off of you, then the guy next to you could take the ball, and you had to run and touch the wall before they just threw it at you. And man, did that hurt. I couldn't imagine somebody taking a rock and just throwing it at me. But stoning in biblical times goes even a step further. And they would take these monster boulders, and they would lift it up, and they would smash your head with it. So Paul's being stoned here. He's being stoned by the, the, the Jews. He's being stoned by the Jews. Can I ask you again, have you ever been stoned? Not with marijuana or anything like that, right? Come on. Some of you are looking at me like, Ugh. no, I'm talking about like stone stoned. I mean, can't imagine. I can't imagine. But here's worse than a rock hitting the side of Paul's head. You know what's worse than the rock, the pain in his body? What's worse? These are people that he knew. <laughs> Some of these people probably studied him underneath Gamaliel. Remember, Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He's in the school of Tyrannus. And he's, he's with these people. Now, some of these people, no doubt, are wanting to hurt him. And that's where the greatest pain is. And you know what I'm talking about. 
It's, it's your mom who's hurt you. It's your dad. It's your brother. It's your coworker. It's your cousin. It's your uncle. It's your close friend. But I'm going to tell you, although those people come against you and I, that is doing something for our soul. It's strengthening it. If you react right, here we see it here in the text. The Apostle Paul being hurt, but he becomes stronger. I remember many years ago, there was a very close person in my life that betrayed me, and I've mentioned this. If you're new to Harvest, then this would be fresh for you. Uh, but I had done ministry with him for over almost two decades, and then he betrayed, slandered, lied about me. And, and I was like, God, I don't get this. I don't get this. And then he started to tell me, God started to tell me, Chris, I, I allowed this to happen so that you can become stronger. I didn't feel strong. I, I felt like hurting him, beating him up, you know, retaliating, revenge, all of that. But I found out as I forgave and I said, Spirit, fill me. Fill me because I don't want to have this anger in my heart. I don't want to have this hate in my heart. I don't want to have murder in my heart, which it was there. It was being tempted. I wanted to hurt him really bad. I found out afterwards that God was actually strengthening me. I'm a stronger man. My soul is stronger as a result of that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Aren't you stronger because somebody came against you, but you said, I'm not going to act like them. I'm not going to do what they do against me. I'm not going to speak evil against them. God, I am going to respond in a Holy Spirit-filled way. And now you're, you're going, man, all right. <laughs> now somebody else is going to come against you. What are you going to do? You're that much stronger, remember? Yeah, I've seen this before. I've reacted to this before. Oh, I'm going to get stronger even more. It's awesome. It really is awesome. Number two, the soul strengthens by receiving from one another relationships of spirit-led support. It's in verse 20. We've got to be receptive to people coming into our life to help us. The Spirit of God, and we sang some great songs tonight. We've got one more to sing. But the Spirit of God that is filling people, filling people, and leading people, and guiding people into your life. This isn't coincidence. This isn't luck. This isn't chance. This is God. And God has led these people to walk beside you and to love you and to lift you up, to speak into your life, to give you a noogie once in a while, right? People don't get when I say noogie in, in Berks County. Do you know what noogies are? Oh, good, all right. It always falls on deaf ears. They're like, what's a noogie? It's like, come on, the Spirit of God is filling people. Notice verse 20. Well, let's read the rest of the verse. After he was stoned, Paul, and they dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was what? He's dead. I mean, he must have got stoned pretty bad. He's laying there, bleeding and, and all of that. Verse 20, here's the principle number two. But when the disciples gathered about him, now these disciples had been led to Christ. They became Christians. They were in the area, uh, in, this, in this region, and, and they were moving around Paul, watching Paul, obviously, but they're also moving around him as he was stoned, and they probably thought he was dead too. I mean, if I'm watching this guy get stoned or whatever was going on in the process of all that, and I'm watching him laying on the ground, I'm probably thinking he's gone. So these disciples are gathered about him. He rose up. <laughs> How did he rise up? 
I mean, did he just get up and say, hey, all right, let's get going, guys? Or was he just moving real slow? I mean, just, just bleeding and I don't know. But he rose up. Here's the principle. It's number two. God had already established these disciples to be there with him and around him and to walk with him. He set it up, and he set it up for you too. The question is, are you receptive to it? You can reject the person that's in your life right now that is speaking truth and loving on you, and you could say no, and you give him a stiff arm, right? You could do that. What happens if you do that? I don't know ultimately. I just know maybe it's an opportunity missed. And that's scary. I remember uh, several years ago, I was, we were going through some tremendous and traumatic things in our life. And uh, I was planted a church. Lisa and I planted another one in Connecticut. And, and so we were going through some real, really dark times. And this lady visited our church. Now, I had never met her. She was the mother of a daughter that was going to our church. And so she came up to me after the service, and she says, uh, Pastor Chris, do you mind if I have a conversation with you? And sure. And uh, she said to me, the, the Lord spoke to me. And the Lord wants me to pray for you. And first time I've ever met her. Now, usually when people are like that, I mean, you never know what you're going to get in a church environment. You think it's nutty out there? I mean, it can be pretty nutty in the church, too, you know what I mean? Come on, seriously. And so I'm thinking, well, okay. You know, and so she gathers all of these other women around me. And she goes, can I, can I lay my hand on your heart? I was like, and so I'm, I'm really kind of pushing back a little bit, but I want to be sensitive to her because she might be of the Lord. She might be spirit-led to come alongside of me. And you know what? I, I opened myself up to that. And it was all legit, and it was all wonderful, and it was all holy, and, and so she laid her hand on my heart, and the other women were praying there, and there were some guys mixed in. It was like a group, like a huddle around me. God, we pray that his heart just remains in love with you. God, we pray that his heart remains pure. God, that you would do a mighty thing in and through him. And then all of a sudden, I just felt myself becoming stronger. Listen, who is it's in your world? Who is it? They've been led by God. To help you. I'll never forget Dick Germain. Dick Germain <clears throat> was my mentor. He's about 80 years old. And I had, uh, had to get to the place of forgiving the person that I was telling you about that hurt me, came against me, and all of that. And so he took me through a material called The Bondage Breaker by Neil Anderson. Great, great material. And so I was sitting in his office one day, and he goes, Chris, I want you to write out, um, make a sentence that says, I, Chris, forgive the person for, and then write a list of all the things that this person did to hurt you. And so I did that, and I said to Dick, I said, Dick, do you mind if I pray before we do this? And he goes, sure, Chris. And I said, God, I don't know if this is even going to work. I mean, it just seems so like, Chris, I just want you to repeat this thing you know, all the way down. And so I said, Holy Spirit, just do something in me. I really need it. And so I wrote down about 10, 11 different things that this man did to not only me, but my wife and my family. And I said, I, Chris, forgive the man. And then as soon as I hit that first one, 
<laughs> oh, man, the Spirit of God. It was so crazy. It was like tears just started flowing out of my face, and I was blowing burger bubbles and everything. It was unbelievable. It, it was, I was a mess. I was a mess. But by the time I made it to the 10th, 11th one, I started like, I got up, and I was like, I'm a new man. I'm a new man. I felt strong. But Dick Germain was led by the Spirit into my life at that exact moment to help me. Don't stiff arm somebody. Don't say no, no, no. You could be missing out on so much. And your soul will remain weak. I think it's really cool because in our church there are, peer, there are people that are catching this fire. Isn't that right, Linda? Come on. Come on. People are catching the fire of, of coming alongside. These are spirit-led people. And I'm looking for spirit-led. I, I don't want wacky. I don't want wing nuts and, at harvest. Nothing like that. I'm talking about spirit-led. And you can tell when people are spirit-led or if they're wacky. You know? And so we're looking for spirit-led. I mean that with all, all respect and seriousness, too. And so we have some people in our church that they're, just, they're like, you know what? Holy Spirit, use me to come alongside of somebody and love on them. Help me to get all messy over here and get involved in people's lives. And, and Lisa and I have said uh, to you, maybe face-to-face or maybe even publicly, that we have not seen something to this magnitude in all of the ministry years that we've ever been serving. Something very unusual is going on at Harvest Reading. And I'm excited about that. And so when a spirit-led person comes around you, would you receive it? Receive it. Number three, strengthening our soul by returning to tough places so that you have to trust God. Let me repeat that. It's in verses 21 and 22. By returning to tough places in your life, maybe mentally, geographically, emotionally, you've got to return to some tough places under the direction of God, under his providential leading, so that you have to trust God. Would you look at verse 21? When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned. Watch this. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and to Antioch. And they were strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that though through many tribulations we must enter into the kingdom of God. Paul had to go back, and he was going back because he felt God was telling him to return to difficult places of ministry. He's going back to places of maybe some pain. He's going back to places where it might have been scary. And some of you know what I'm talking about because God is saying to you, I want you to go back. You're not going to live back there. You're not living back there. I'm not saying that. But you're going to go back there maybe, maybe under the direction of God. He's going to give you a new revelation. My wife went back to the church that she got born again in, and there were things that had happened to her and, and kind of this legalism kind of junk. And, and uh, God, God let, remember, you led you back right into that. Me too. I'm married to her, so I was with her too. And we were together, and we went back to that church. And she's like, why am I here? And then she started to realize she had to go back to that tough place because God was doing some healing. God's doing some, some rearranging of stuff. He calls us to do that. Do you remember when we came back from Phoenix? We lived in Phoenix for a year. And then we had to come back to the East Coast. God was calling us back to plant a church. We knew we were going into something that was like really dangerous, really scary, really fearful. And so God was calling us to go back to that tough place. Do you know as a result of that, our life completely fell apart? What do you think our reaction 
would be now if God called us back to another tough place. We'd go. Why would we go now, if you were to ask me that? Why now? Because when we came through the other side of all of that, we were completely different. Stronger than we've ever been before. So I know that if God calls me back to a tough place, he's going to be there. And he has a purpose in it. And so God might be saying to you tonight, you need to go back to a tough place. What is that relationship that you're saying? Oh, <laughs> no way. Well, he might be calling you back to, to reconcile, forgive, bring restitution. It's amazing what Paul is going through here. Not just for the believers that he is ministering to and serving and teaching and planting churches with, but it's for Paul's own benefit. God might call you to go back to emotional places that are tough or geographical places. Wow, when we were called back to the area where all that pain happened in our life, geographically, oh man, are you kidding me? We drive through there and we get the hives. I mean, seriously, it was like God called me to go to places you know, having to do with things that were part of the adoption of these girls that we were trying to get. And God called me into those offices. Man, I almost had panic attacks going into those places. Why? PTSD. There was a lot of trauma that happened. But God was calling me to go back in there for various reasons. He might be calling you. It's only to strengthen your soul. I got some buddies of mine that are going to tough places to plant churches. Here's one. Ogden, Utah, John Feek. Do you know what's going on out in Utah? Do you know what Salt Lake City is all about? Yeah, those are Mormons out there. You know, it's tough. That's a tough mission field for John Feek and his wife and five kids, I think, six kids. That's tough. God called him to that tough place. Got another buddy, Joe Penberthy. He's in Washington State. That's one of the least church states in the country. He's in Seattle. It's a tough place. Benny Stiltner's in Albany, New York. I think Albany is one of the top five most pagan cities in the country right now. He thought Reading was bad. We're called to a tough place. Reading's tough. I mean, it's not the Bible Belt, right? But the Bible Belt can be tough in different ways. I'd rather be here. Let's look at one more. This is the last one. We strengthen your soul by recognizing your calling and gifting and using them. Verse 23, and when they had appointed elders. See what Paul's doing. He's using these abilities that God had given him as an apostle, as a pastor, an elder. And he's appointing other elders for them in every church. So he's using his calling. He is called of God. And he's using his gifting. And they did this in every church with prayer and fasting that They committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Strength for your soul will come as you actively put into practice the Christian call. The Christian call. You have been called. That's your first calling. You've been called to be a Christian. Some of you aren't a Christian yet. And so I prayed for you earlier. Maybe you didn't get saved then. Maybe at the end of our time together, you'll get saved. You're called to be a Christian. He's calling you and going, I'm calling you to be mine. I'm calling you to repent. That means turn from your sin, recognize it, turn from it, and go right to Jesus as your Savior. He's calling you to be a Christian, but he's also calling Christians to the place of using your gifts, your abilities. 
You know, one of the worst things that's happened to the church in America is the professionalization of the pastorate. So pastors are professionals, right? We go to school, we get ordained, you're full-time. It's professionalization. The problem with all of that, and there's a place for it, I'm not against it, obviously, but the, the problem with all of that is that leaves the people in the chairs or pews thinking, well, I'm not a professional. Let him do the ministry. Let them, the leaders, do all the work. If you have a hospital call and somebody's dying or they're sick, they call the pastor to do that. It's a professionalization mentality. Call Chris. He's going to do the ministry. That's really not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that all of us have a calling. All of us have gifts. All of us need to be used of the Lord to go to a hospital visit or to walk beside somebody or all of those things. All of us are called. So what is your gift? Most Christians don't know. If I asked you afterwards, what is your gift? You would say, I don't know. How do you know what your gift is? First of all, I'd pray about it. God, what is the gift that you gave me? Because everybody got at least one gift when you got saved, right? Some people have multiple gifts, right? Like Billy Graham, he must have, I don't know, at least a dozen or so. I mean, it's just a, he's a gifted guy. And not everybody's gifted like Billy Graham. It doesn't matter. If you have one gift, use it. And when you use it, what happens to your soul? Stronger. If you're not using your gift, don't expect to ever get stronger. It just won't happen. Father, help us. We ask you by the power of the Spirit of God that you would strengthen our souls. Paul did this all through Lystra and all the areas. He wanted to strengthen Christians. He wanted them to become, uh, to get to the place, Lord, where they're just walking in such a, an anointing, in such a, a powerful and profound way. And so, God, we pray that you would help us all. Help us to take these principles, Lord. I'm sensing just in my heart, just one, just to pray about, that one about receiving. Receive the person who is spirit-led to come alongside of you, to walk with you, to speak to you, love on you, sometimes correct you. Help us to be receiving of those people that are led by you to us. God, help us to be ready for launch. Help every day this week to be a day where we're walking a little bit closer to you, that we're sensing your great love for us and your presence in our life. And so, God, keep doing that work inside of us. I'm going to encourage you, Harvest Reading. Harvest Reading, this coming week, I just want you to uh, turn your face toward the Lord and say, God, I am looking to you. I am seeking you like I've never sought you before. My wife and I are doing this sugar fast thing, and it's ridiculous. It's crazy, but it's helping us to redirect our focus. So we're giving up sugar instead, praying, seeking God. It may sound ridiculous, but it is helping us. Maybe you want to do a fast this week. You say, God, I want to fast TV or Internet or food or, or whatever it may be. And instead, I'm going to take in the Word of God. I'm going to pray to you. I'm going to get on my face before you. And I just really, really want to see you do amazing things in the coming days, weeks, months. I'm going to encourage you to do that this week, Harvest. Let's all stand. God, we want to worship you with one song, one more song. Be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name.